0: SNAP Production.
1: I'm Dr. Sophie Calabretto, and this is The Science Briefing, a podcast about the science of everything. And we've already clocked over into February. Like, I don't know how it's happened. It's slightly terrifying. How does time pass so quickly? One month into 2023, back to the show. Usually what we do on this show is we focus in on just one topic, but there is so much stuff, so much stuff that we don't get to talk about. So today, I want to take a look back at some of the science that you may have missed that came out in January, some of the really cool stories that we can shine a light on, and to take us through a few of those, here's Emma Perfetto, a science journalist from the Cosmos Magazine newsroom. Emma, how's it going? Hey, Sophie, it's going good. I hear that you've got three stories for us today. Yes, that's correct. And they're all pretty different from one another. We've got some AI stuff. We love some AI stuff. Some research looking at lightning during thunderstorms, and then just a kind of gross habit from some native Australian animals.
0: Yeah, it's quite a mix, isn't it? Yeah, love
1: (laughs) it. So let's just dive straight in, Emma, and start with something called ChatGPT. And this has been making some serious waves, not just in the artificial intelligence world, but in universities and kind of everywhere else, really. What do we need to know about this technology?
0: This tech has really taken the world by storm in some ways. We've had people like Elon Musk even commenting on it, calling it scary good. Mm. And scary good in this context means how accurately this tech spits out something that resembles something written by humans. So, ChatGPT, for background, is a software that uses deep learning algorithms to analyze and generate text. So it pulls from a really huge amount of data on the internet to try and understand the nuances of natural language made by humans. I'm using understand in inverted commas there because AI (laughs) can't understand things. They're not human. Uh, Though they may appear to understand something, they really don't. (laughs) It's looking through all of these data and there's information and text that's put into this algorithm. And ChatGPT will analyze it, break it up into smaller components like words or short phrases. And then from there, it'll piece everything together and churn out a fully formed response.
1: And so when you say response, what can ChatGPT do?
0: Well, it can literally respond to anything. It can respond to, say, some of the biggest and smallest questions in life. It can respond and generate entire stories, poems. It sure can. (laughs) And one thing that has been brought up quite a bit is how ChatGPT could even be used by college and university students to whip up an assignment or homework or a final essay Uh, that's essentially plagiarized because it's been written by a software.
1: Yeah, what we learned the other day is that ChatGPT is really good at solving university maths problems, which is a huge issue.
0: Ooh, really? Yes.
1: (laughs) So, Emma, how convincing is the software that a university marker could read it and not be able to tell if it was written by a student or an algorithm?
0: In the context of a university-level essay, at this point, the stuff that ChatGPT is producing is probably not going to be very convincing. Okay, one of my colleagues, Evren Yaskin, who has written on ChatGPT, said that it's sort of better suited for mundane writing. So like churning out writing that isn't particularly inspired. He also said uh, that if your writing is indistinguishable from something written by AI, there's um, probably question marks around your writing skills. So that, uh, That's incredibly harsh, Ephraim. <laughs> <laughs> but sort of looking at what it can churn out, in principle, it is still somewhat impressive. So, it can put something together and work out what info a question is really after and then generate a response that sounds somewhat natural and authentic. But the thing to remember, and this applies to AI more broadly, is that chat GPT does not think, nor does it understand what the truth is. So, even if the answers it turns out read as plausible and convincing, there's no guarantee that they're actually true.
1: Look, I, I know you should write your own essays and that's how some of us literally learn at school and university and go on to get jobs. But hey, like if I think about it, an AI writing an essay on that one terrible subject I did in first year university, I won't say what it is, but all I'm saying is it doesn't sound that bad to me, Emma.
0: Okay, in theory, Totally. So, obviously, some in the academic spaces are like, hey, watch this space with ChatGPT. But the bigger concerns are around how ChatGPT could potentially spread misinformation. Yeah. So, I just talked about how the things it spits out are not necessarily the truth. Yeah. If this tool becomes even more sophisticated, you know, will we reach a point where it's pretty much indistinguishable from something that a human has written? Sure. On the other side of the coin, there are potential positive uses for ChatGPT, like using it as an aid, uh, making writing and language more accessible.
1: So, Emma, now to our second science story you might have missed. This one is sort of hectic and involves lasers.
0: Yep, and actually shooting lasers at lightning.
1: Okay, yep, sure, as we all love to do. Please expand on this for us, Emma.
0: So, shooting lasers at lightning, essentially as a safety precaution. That makes sense. So, researchers have been interested in using lasers to change the course of lightning for decades, dating back to when lasers were first developed in the 1960s. (laughs) I did
1: not know this.
0: So, there is some logic to it, thought up in the lab initially, of course. So, Mm -hmm. the idea is that powerful laser pulses create these tiny amounts of plasma in the air. Okay. These are called laser-induced filaments, and these filaments can conduct and actually direct electricity. Okay, that all checks out. So, it's worked in the lab, but all attempts to try and do this in the real world have been unsuccessful. There was an attempt in the US in 2004 and in Singapore in 2011, but now laser lightning is a go. Okay, this is amazing. I love everything about this. Please run us through what happened here. Okay. So an international team of researchers installed a car-sized terawatt laser (laughs) near a telecommunications tower on a mountain in Switzerland. So a terawatt laser is just a really large laser system used for high-intensity experiments and particle acceleration pretty much. And so this telecom tower is hit by lightning Roughly a hundred times a year. Okay. <laughs> um, and so between July and September in 2021, the researchers ran this laser for a total of six hours during thunderstorms, and they successfully diverted four different lightning strikes. Wow. Diverted, in this case, means that, you know, that downward arcing lightning Mm -hmm. uh, that you see in the sky, it was diverted away by 50 metres. Oh, okay. That's significant. Yeah, yeah. So, they recorded one of these strikes with uh, like a high-speed camera, um, but they were also able to confirm that diversions were working by detecting electromagnetic waves and X-ray bursts coming from the, the four lightning strikes.
1: That is amazing, Emma but I do want to know what the point of all of this is other than proving it's possible. Like we're not installing lasers all over the shop
0: now, are we? Yeah, no, no, no. So basically it's to protect these things from lightning strikes. So, you know, that's objects like telecom towers, but also people. Although lightning strikes on people aren't super common, um, but redirecting where possible to avoid injuries and deaths is not a terrible idea, I don't think. I mean, yeah, I agree with that for sure.
1: (laughs) And lastly, Emma, a perfect story to round the episode out, echidna snot.
0: Echidna snot bubbles, Sophie. You really can't leave the bubble part out of this one. I can't, and I'm sorry. (laughs) Yeah, so this is some research that actually showed that echidnas blow snot bubbles to keep themselves cool in hot weather. <laughs> I
1: just, I mean, that's one way to do it, isn't it?
0: It sure is. So they've been observed blowing bubbles from their nose, which sort of burst over the nose tip and like wet it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so as that moisture evaporates, it cools down the blood underneath. There you go. So a zoologist from Curtin University, Dr. Christine Cooper, said that echidnas can't sweat. They can't pant or lick to lose, you know, heat. Um, So they found another way to do it.
1: Do you know, what, Emma, I'm a very sweaty person and normally I hate that, but like I'm into it right now. I'm glad that's my <laughs> cooling mechanism. I don't know if I want to snot all over my face as a solution.
0: Could you imagine if we walked around all day <laughs> and we were just blowing snot bubbles out of our nose <laughs> oh, on a hot day? <laughs> disgusting.
1: Emma, thank you so much for joining us.
0: <laughs> thank you.
1: So Emma Perfetto is a science journalist for Cosmos magazine. As always, you can read more of Emma's reporting by heading to cosmosmagazine.com. And hey, if you liked the show, don't forget to subscribe. You can download the Listener app to listen for free or catch us wherever you listen to your podcasts. The Science Briefing is produced by Listener and the Royal Institution of Australia. This episode was produced by Jake Morecambe, mixing by Dave Stein, and I'm Dr. Sophie Calabretto. Catch you next time.